How's it going? How's it going, everybody? Good morning, good morning. I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are. Here we are. Good morning. Bit of a cool one, a bit of a chilly one. Uh, so we're coming up to Christmas, or starting to dive into winter. It's going to be getting a lot colder, so you need your beards big and nice warm coats. Those of you who don't have beards, well, I guess scarves and uh, such will have to do. So, good morning, good morning. How's it going? Thank you so much for joining in. Grab your tea, grab your coffee. Make sure it's nice and hot. And uh, got some things to talk about this morning. And if you have any uh, comments, questions, issues, insights, anything like that at all, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. Go ahead, fire it away in the comments. We'll get to it uh, in sequence of order that they come in. Well, we try anyway. So if you got something you'd like to talk about, go ahead, throw it up. All right, I got uh, something rather surprising, uh, shocking to some, um, rather surprising to others uh, to talk uh, talk about this morning. I've been kind of holding off talking about this for a while because I wanted to think about it and pray about it and just kind of wrap my mind around it. I, I've never heard of this before, and it just it, it's not that I don't believe it. It's just it's just amazing. I just I, I need to kind of figure out how to how how to work into this. Um, anyways, but we'll, we'll get to that in in a little bit. Uh, meanwhile, you'll notice I'm wearing a different shirt. This one, come and take it. So I put up uh, a link. I don't know if you noticed a while ago. I put a link in the community posts uh, regarding a fundraiser for Pastor James Coates. He's a pastor of a church in Alberta, Canada, and how the government is have been mistreating him and oppressing him, arresting him and fining him like crazy. And a whole bunch of other churches in Canada have been assaulted and fined uh, with uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of fines for having church. And the government trying to shut down churches in Canada. It's, it's just crazy. So a fundraiser was started. Uh, through an uh, organization called Carpe Fide, meaning Seize Faith. And they make these shirts, uh, come and take it. And when you buy one of their shirts, a percentage uh, of the of the sale goes towards supporting James Coates and paying off the fines. Uh, so if you want to support it, you don't have to. If you don't want to, you can always pray for them. Um, you, there's a, the uh, link to their shop for their shirts is in our community post. So please make sure you at least go check that out. Share the link around to other people who might even be interested in. So just some thoughts or if you can even, uh, buy them as a last minute Christmas present kind of idea. And oh, speaking of which, some people might get offended if you say Christmas because, you know, you can't worship Jesus because, you know, some time, a long time ago, some pagans did a thing on a, on the same day, maybe. So that means we can't worship Jesus or some other stupid thing. So happy whatever doesn't offend you. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So anyways, uh, so whether or not you want to 
to do the whole Christmas thing. It doesn't matter. But the point is, we're worshiping Jesus Christ. And what's wrong with worshiping Jesus Christ? And if you can show me from the Bible how we shouldn't worship Jesus Christ on on uh, this coming uh, on the coming holiday weekend, then okay. There's nothing wrong with worshiping Jesus. There's nothing wrong with celebrating the birth of Christ. And if you think there is, well, you're wrong. So happy whatever doesn't offend you. So again, I, I if you could find me this this ornament, seriously, folks, seriously, if you can find me that ornament, or if you know how to make one just like that or whatever, you know what? I'll pay you. I'll pay you at that uh, the full price for the thing and the shipping and seriously and I'll give you a shout out uh, uh, on broadcast seriously if you could find this thing please send it to me please I beg of you <laughs> I want that ornament I'm gonna hang it up nice uh, tall and proud in my house that is the best thing ever that is the funniest thing I've ever seen and I want one so I can't find it so if you can find one for me that'd be great happy whatever doesn't offend you so anyways it's the uh the soy boy beta male uh sjw christmas ornament this is great all right so we'll kind of just segue into that now i have actually been inundated every year every year i get asked multiple 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 times is christmas bad is Christmas pagan? Should we celebrate Christmas? Well, okay. You see, the first thing when we approach this this whole discussion is you need to understand that we are under grace, not law. We have, uh, there's no mandatory requirement to have to celebrate anything really other than actually the communion table of our lord which is a commandment of christ but that's a whole separate thing it's not a holiday that's whenever you are gathered together so technically you should be celebrating the remembrance table of christ every time you gather together but holidays no there's no requirement to have to celebrate them if you don't want to you don't have to you can hole up in a stone monastery somewhere away from society and never see another face and never do another thing ever again. That's your liberty in Christ. You're under no requirement to have to celebrate anything. So, yeah. Um, now, if, uh, if you want to celebrate Christmas, okay, here's the thing. You see, as one individual actually left a comment, um, left a comment, about Charles Spurgeon. They thought Charles Spurgeon was against Christmas. No, actually he wasn't. If you actually do a study and, and read about Charles Spurgeon's Spurgeon's uh, sermons and messages on Christmas, you'll see that he was more addressing the the spiritualizing, traditionalizing, the Catholicizing, if that's a word, Catholicizing uh, of Christmas with the whole, um, all the special rituals and special masses and special ceremonies and all the stuff that they've done around the whole thing, where they've kind of destroyed the point. You see, yes, we know Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. Uh, he was, uh, if 
have that correctly. Uh, according to Jewish calendar, it was more in September. But um, I, it's looked at as a belated birthday party. A belated birthday party. You see, when it's the focus is all on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The de you're decorating for Jesus. You're celebrating Jesus. You're remembering Jesus. You're imp you're inviting people in to hear about Jesus. How is that wrong? It's not wrong. Oh, well, well, what about the decorations? Are decorations bad? But 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 you're using you're using evergreens. Are evergreens bad? Are trees bad? No. Did, did, did Satan create things? No. No. Did, so God created trees, right? Uh, what about decorations and ornaments and things? Well, how are they bad? You can have bad decorations, bad ornaments. It's like, are pianos and guitars bad? Well, no, but they can play bad music. So it comes down to intent and usage kind of thing. All right, so what's wrong with putting decorations on a plant? Is it, is it sin to put decorations on a plant? No. What about what about a little mini evergreen tree or some other tree or whatever? My grandparents actually used tumbleweeds. They went down to Arizona. They used tumbleweeds. <laughs> is it wrong to put decorations on a plant in your house? No. Okay. But, 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 Jeremiah, Jeremiah, look, if you're getting triggered by this, if you're getting upset by this, if this is offensive to you in some way, okay, you're allowed your opinion, you're entitled to your opinion and all this, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I disagree strongly. The people who try to use Jeremiah to as proof text that it's about Christmas trees. So I just want to go over this again. Whether or not you have a tree or not, that's entirely up to you. You're under no requirement to have to have one. You're not evil or bad or whatever. That's just your opinion. If you don't want it, if you don't even want to decorate, fine. That's your choice. But look at what it says in Jeremiah. You see, we want to take the words carefully and, and cross-reference with Scripture. And I actually found yet another passage to put with this one uh, uh, that you'll see the point. So we see in Jeremiah 10, verses 2 to 6, Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them, for the customs of the people are vain, for one cutteth a tree out of the forest. <gasps> Trees! The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe, they deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails, with nails and hammers, that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born. You have to carry it around. Because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Trees cannot do evil. Uh, neither also is it in them to do good. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might now notice when you break jeremiah 10 2 to 6 down word by word that it's speaking of actual idol making all right verse 2 learning the way of the heathen verse 3 working and crafting out of a tree verse 4 plating and decking with gold and silver and fastening it with, with nails so it can't move verse 5 they can't speak they can't move but are carried about the people verse 6 there is not like thee no other gods that are like the lord god now notice the exact same wording in psalms and isaiah 
Listen carefully. Psalms 135, 15 to 18. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. Psalms 115, verses 4 to 8. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 19 to 20. The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. So you see, so you see, when you take a look at these Jeremiah 10, uh, we see uh, Psalms 135, Psalms 115, and Isaiah 40 uh, that all go together. And it's talking about carving an idol, actually carving an idol with eyes and hands and mouths and ears. And, and they fasten it so it won't move. And then they plate the, the wooden idol with gold and silver. It's not a Christmas tree. It's not a Christmas tree. Okay, so we need we need to be careful about uh, the things that these kinds of things. Now, where's a? Okay, I'm going to switch out the image here just for a second. You're happy, whatever doesn't offend you. <laughs> All right, and I'm going to go here. I'm gonna yes, I'm going there today. All right. Now. If this offends you, you need to grow up. Okay, the world's top four stupidest rumors. The world is flat, aliens built the pyramid, the moon's made of cheese, and Christmas is pagan. Alright, so, yes, I'm going there today, and if that offends you, well, you can go somewhere else where they'll tickle your ears. Now, again, like I said, all because some sometime a long time ago pagans may or may not have done a thing that doesn't mean that we that doesn't make it so that we can't worship jesus on the same day you know plus also the whole thing of where we got to avoid we got to be careful like that is stripping any form of evangelism off the day you're not allowed to celebrate in any way shape or form where Charles Spurgeon was big on Christmas and about it talked about how it is one of the greatest times of evangelism and inviting the unsaved to church to hear about Jesus Christ. Now, using the day like that for Jesus Christ falls under the same usage and category as the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he was in, he was in Athens, Greece, and he went up to Mars Hill in Athens, Greece. Now, Mars Hill was the temple idol mountain, covered in gods and pagan temples and pagan altars. He went up into, into Mars Hill in Athens to speak with the people, and he saw there an altar to the unknown god. 
and and on the mount he used the altar of the unknown god as a springboard to preach to the people jesus christ so we're doing the same thing we're using a day that may or may not have at some point then in the future in the future in the past that may or may not have it sometime in the past been used by pagans or whatever we're using this day as a springboard to preach jesus christ and let alone that the day the christmas day and easter and these are synonymous uh, to the world are synonymous with the with christian celebrations so my question is why would you not want to take advantage of a day an opportunity to preach jesus christ to the unsaved now you don't again you don't have to decorate at all you don't have to have the whole tree thing i'm just saying the the, the specifics of scripture you're under no obligation to have to participate in anything but again if you have an opportunity to preach jesus christ why would you not take it that's my question that's my question so happy whatever doesn't offend you okay so there you go um okay what are some comments here Lindsay says i like to give to charity often and my husband is upset if i do so excessively wondering if i should just get give how the lord leads and keep it to myself or always ask my husband first well okay according to the word of god the two become one flesh so it's not just your money either it's also his now if say perchance you have some certain monies uh, of your own from, from something someone gave to you or you have of your own your own expenditure your own your, your own money set aside for you for your use that's up to you how you use your money in that regard but if it's money that is connected to both like from your from your bank account where, where you you're both in there then well is there maybe think about perhaps setting a set limit of how much you might spend how much you might give and that kind of thing um we must be wise in these kinds of things uh want to avoid contentions avoid strifes and we want to be careful that uh, we uh, that we pursue especially when it's uh, considering marital choices this kind of things that affect the marriage affect your relationship that that can affect both of you in that way um yeah we, we don't have to spend and share exorbitantly like that we are under no obligation to have to um you don't have to give anything at all but if you feel that you want to give well yes absolutely you should pray about it ask the lord that the lord put it on your heart and it, if you have to kind of dip into the uh the pot that's between you you should ask at least you should be doing things in unison in harmony um it should not you should not be uh against or fighting against or bickering about this kind of thing then there'd be obviously be no blessing from the lord in that um you should uh, can consider the thoughts the thoughts of the other um where again if you have some that is a, that is your own well then that's entirely your choice what you do with your own with your own money um 
but yeah, what I would say definitely is pray about that and be careful about allowing anything, uh, giving anything an opportunity to get into your marriage that can become a form of bitterness, that can be a form of contention. You want to avoid contentions at all costs. So that's would be my thoughts on that one. Okay, Lindsay says, Canada has been in my prayers and, and petition. We are heading that way in New York State, USA. Hey, there you go. Um, yeah, Canada is getting really, really bad. Um, I'm in Ontario, Canada, and our premier, Doug Ford, has just put out a, uh, a statement uh, bringing in yet more mandates, more restrictions, just in time for Canada. Whoever thought that now the second year in a row that Christmas is now pretty much going to be almost illegal, uh, gathering together for Christmas is going to be near illegal. Whoever thought that we'd ever see this? Um, yeah, and all kinds of crazy things. Uh, in New Brunswick, Canada, the the insane certifiable uh, health minister of New Brunswick, Canada, has literally stepped onto the same level as Adolf Hitler, where she said that the unvaccinated deserve to die and that food is not even a human right and that they should restrict food food from the grocery stores from the unvaccinated like that's just straight up uh, this people group deserves to die that's literally what she's saying like i i'm just blown away and our our prime minister isn't isn't denouncing her people are not rising up to uh, in power people not in power are not rising up to tell her she's wrong or running her out of the building or they're trying to stop her they're they're letting her it, they're letting her say this and they're not they're not denouncing her like this is insane like, we're in trouble here in canada we're in big trouble maybe we need the united states to come and and uh, bring us freedom <laughs> okay hint hint all right uh okay now come down to Aaron says did you see Spider-Man No Way Home no and uh if you go and watch it that's entirely up to you that's entirely up to you however personally I'm not watching it I, I'm not watching it uh because of the sheer amount of sorcery witchcraft and wizardry that is in it uh, we got Doctor Strange, who is a self-proclaimed master sorcerer, who has mastered uh, the demonic books and demonic training. Uh, he's a master mystic. He's a master sorcerer, a master wizard, and he uses uh, the power the powers of sorcery and demonic uh, occult to achieve the different things that is so anti-bible anti-christ anti-righteousness it is everything that god denounces it is everything that his word says is abomination it'll be cast into the lake of fire the bible uh, uh, god's word flat out says that we should have nothing to do with those kinds of things and also considering my past my past where i actually uh, was a practitioner for 16 years uh, sorcery and uh, witchcraft and wizardry and 
I want nothing to do with that. I want nothing to do with that. And so when it comes to, to that kind of thing, I'm not participating. I will avoid it at all costs and I denounce it. Uh, it is unnecessary. They don't, they do not need to bring in witchcraft, demonic witchcraft for entertainment. And if you have no problem with demonic witchcraft and sorcery for your entertainment, you might want to revisit what the Bible says about that. That's all I'm saying on that. You go do what you want to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, look, this is what the word of God says and the word of God supersedes. And uh, followed up with, uh, what do you think about the latest Conjuring movie? Uh, the Conjuring series of the, the Warrens. Yeah. Um, I never watched it. Uh, that, that one, uh, I don't intend to. Uh, but uh, the, the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, they're not Christian. They are Roman Catholic. And uh, Lorraine Warren is a mystic catholic where she actually practice practices certain witchcraft uh mediumship practices so she she practices mediumship witchcraft while claiming to be a catholic and she uses these occult abilities with her catholic practices to try to cut to try to defeat demonic possessions so you're fighting devils with devils uh that's what that's about uh no i have no intention of watching that either I have a very fine line when it comes to these kinds of things. Um, all right. So Jen says, uh, why do the Jews not believe in Jesus? Okay. Uh, I know Messianics do, but I don't see how the Jews don't accept him as Jesus Christ. No, Aaron, no, she did not talk to God. She talked to her God, which is not the God of the Bible. Uh, all because someone says they talk to God doesn't mean they talk to the God of the Bible. You want to look at the gospel that they proclaim. They do not, the Warrens do not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ according to scripture. They are they, they are staunch Roman Catholics. And, and the Catholic gospel is anti antithetical to the word of God. It is completely against the word of God. And plus Lorraine practices occult. She's a medium. She practices conjuring the dead, summoning the dead, which is necromancy. She practices witchcraft, and she believes in the gospel of Catholicism. They do not believe in the God of the Bible. They don't believe in the gospel of the Bible. They are not saved, not Christians. They don't talk to God. They talk to devils masquerading as God. That's what they are. So, there you go. Um, anyways, so go back to what, what uh, Genesis said. Okay, why do the Jews not believe in Jesus? Well, that's a good question, and it's an old question, an old, old question. That question is over 2,000 years old, <laughs> because when Jesus was here walking on the earth, the Jews didn't believe in him then either, even though he was here on earth working the miracles and teaching, proclaiming, declaring all the stuff, and then proving who he is beyond shadow of a doubt, and they still didn't believe in him. Many did, but much more did not. Um, they opposed him, hated him, they didn't want to believe in him. Uh, why? Well, that's, that's the question, isn't it? Um, when you go back to the time of Jesus, you see the one big reason uh, with the Pharisees especially is that because they were jealous of authority and power. 
uh, as they wanted their traditions. They wanted to be the rulers. They wanted to be in power. They wanted to call the shots. They, um, they were jealous of the authority and the power that Jesus had, and they opposed him on that regard. So even though they knew who he was, Jesus even called them out on that, that the Pharisees actually knew, the Sanhedrin actually knew who Jesus was, and they didn't care. They didn't care. And they they, killed, they they wanted to kill him anyways because they wanted to keep the power and the authority and, and the rulership. Um, many others, uh, again, just like how Seventh-day Adventists and Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and Catholics don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible because they've warped and twisted the, the points in, of what they think Jesus was all about. Many, many believed in Jesus uh, uh, in different ways as a prophet. They believed in him as an angel. They believed in him as, a, as one that was going to come and conquer the Romans. Um, they believed in him in different ways. This all comes down to demonic delusion. That the devil will bring in so many different lies, a plethora of different lies and deceptions to try to deceive people away from the truth. But then we see later on, as we go down the road, as, for example, Jews today practicing jews of judaism why do they not believe in jesus because they've been lied to by the rabbis and by the pharisees of today because what they've gone and done is uh, going back a long time ago uh, i forget exactly when it was established it was actually established by uh, the rabbinical uh, order that isaiah chapter 53 is what is called a forbidden passage that actually actually by judaistic law the synagogues the jewish synagogues are forbidden from reading preaching isaiah 53. why well if you actually read isaiah 53 it's a prophecy of Jesus Christ. And uh, it, it tells you about how the Messiah will come, what he'll look like, what he will do, how he'll be betrayed, how he'll be arrested and mistreated and taken from prison and from judgment, how he'll be put to death, and that his days will be prolonged, he'll be resurrected. And it will give even his names. It's all about Jesus Christ and proves Jesus Christ. So they actually outlawed Isaiah 53 and call it a forbidden passage that Jews are not allowed by Jewish law to read or have anything to do with Isaiah 53. That's why so many Jews today don't believe in Jesus because they've never heard of the prophecies. And there's actually a lot of evangelists. There's actually a lot of evangelists and missionaries that go over to Israel and go over to other places where there's Jewish quarters and synagogues and stuff. And they actually take with them a Hebrew Bible. And we're in the Bible where it's written in Hebrew. And they'll read Isaiah 53 in the street. They'll actually stop Jews in the street and read Isaiah 53 to them. And you wouldn't believe how many Jews start crying. They break down, start crying, and start declaring that Jesus was the Messiah. They had no idea. They'd never heard this before. There's actually tons of videos, uh, even on YouTube, of people going and reading Isaiah 53 to Jews. They go over to Jerusalem, go over to Israel, and they're reading Isaiah 53. Um, and then there are others 
uh, uh, other Jews that actually just fly into an outrage because they hate Jesus because, well, it's it's a demonic delusion and they're under demonic oppression. Um, and that a lot a lot of these missionaries evangelists get assaulted. There's videos on YouTube of missionaries reading Isaiah 53 and being stoned where the Jews start throwing stones at them. I watched one where they're throwing stones and spitting at the guy and someone else comes up behind him and tries to set him on fire. Tries to set the missionary on fire in the street. All he's doing is reading Isaiah 53. It's it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. If you want to win a Jew to the Lord, show him the prophecies. Isaiah 7.14, Isaiah 9.6, Micah 5.2, and Isaiah 53. Show him these and demand of him an answer. Who is this talking about? And they will have to. They have to acknowledge that this is who it's talking about and what's crazy when you actually read isaiah 53 and uh, you ask someone what passage of scripture is this don't tell them it's isaiah don't tell them this is isaiah just say i have a passage i want to read for you and read to them isaiah 53 and you wouldn't believe how many people say that sounds like the new testament let's actually read it Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our, uh, borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That's Isaiah 53. What does that sound like? If you didn't know who who that was about, who would you say that 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 that's addressing? When you look at Isaiah seven fourteen, Isaiah nine six, Micah five two, Jeremiah thirty one twenty two, and on and on, and it's so many more, and Isaiah fifty three, 
Jesus in John uh, chapter 4, Jesus in John chapter 4, verses 25, 26, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And the Samaritan woman, verse 25 says, And the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah comes, which is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Jesus flat out claiming to be the Christ Messiah of the prophets. So when you read Isaiah 7, 14, how he'll be born of a virgin and he'll be, his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah 9, 6, the child born son given will be called the mighty God. Micah 5, 2, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem and he'll be called the one whose ways are of old, even of everlasting, meaning the always existing one. Almighty God will, will appear in Bethlehem born of a virgin. Isaiah 53, uh, he'll grow up as a tender plant and no form nor comeliness and he'll be despised and rejected. He'll be preaching righteousness and justification and he'll be hated and he'll be opposed and afflicted and tortured and arrested and imprisoned and beaten and executed and his and he'll be resurrected. His days will be prolonged and he'll bear our iniquities. When you put all of these prophecies together, it's talking about the mighty God himself will come down, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, called the mighty God, will be put to death for our sins and be resurrected. Who fulfilled all those things to a T? Jesus. You literally can preach the gospel from the Old Testament prophecies. So there you go. So why do they reject Jesus? Because they don't understand the prophecies. They're being lied to and deceived. All right. Okay, Lindsay says, I love the gospel mask challenge. Yes. And ah, uh, I didn't bring mine in here. No, I didn't bring mine in here. But yeah, I put out uh, a video on Instagram and YouTube the other day. I shared it everywhere. Uh, the gospel mask challenge. Where just get a mask. If you can't buy one that already has a get a disposable mask and with a marker, just write on the mask, Jesus Christ is God. And if you have more room, repent and believe the gospel. And wear that in public. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Uh, it is amazing. It's fantastic the reactions you get. Um, and again, what are they going to do? Tell you to take it off? <laughs> so it's, it's a pretty much a safe bet. Uh, so... Try that. Get a mask, right? Jesus Christ is God. If you have to keep social distance and you can't witness and you can't hand out tracts, then be a walking gospel tract. There you go. I challenge you. Okay. Uh, Aaron says, is learning martial arts against the Bible? No. And I actually did a bit of a talk a while ago about that one. Um, I forget when. Might have been last weekend. I don't remember. I can hardly remember yesterday. Um, uh, but no, we talked about this uh, where self-defense uh, itself, in and of itself, is not against the Bible. We even see Jesus at the Last Supper telling his disciples, if you don't have a sword, uh, sell your cloak and buy one. Um, why would he say that? So there actually is a biblical precedent for self-defense, but this must be tempered with control, meekness, and understanding. Um, all because you have the, uh, the uh, liberty to defend yourself doesn't mean you get to take advantage of that at every drop of the hat. 
That is, the Bible talks about turning the other cheek, about showing restraint and meekness and grace, where you don't need to punch the person in the face all because they poked you or whatever else, or they're screaming in your face. Just turn around, walk away, show restraint. Um, so yeah, also there's warnings. He who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. So there's a lot of warnings and a lot of, lot of things to take into consideration of this. So so no, self-defense is not bad. Now, when it comes to martial arts, people say, wow, there's what about the martial arts? Well, martial meaning military arts, the arts, the way of the military. So uh, the way of fighting, the way of self-defense. So it's learning how to be competent. As scripture says, the Lord will teach my, my, my hands to warm, my fingers to fight. So... Uh, where uh, there's competence and understanding and knowing how to use a sword. If Jesus says to buy one, you should know how to use it. Um, and so there's competence in this. And that's where the martial arts comes in. Now, what is wrong with martial arts is when they start bringing in Eastern mysticisms and spiritualities and these kinds of things into it. Learning how to punch and kick and grapple and that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but once you're bringing in meditations and chi energies and mystic vibrations and mysticism and all that garbage and the yin yang garbage, oh, that's when you got a problem. That's what's wrong. But just learning how to defend yourself is not wrong no uh okay so rosalie has a question why does jesus say that the father is greater than him okay now to understand this one i did a video a while back in the playlist according to the bible um uh, the video is called, According to the Bible, What is the Biblical Godhead? This discussion is probably one of the most contentious, controversial, that you could possibly get into within the Christian circles. The first thing you need to understand when approaching this is now... If you disagree with me, well, you need to go study your Bible. But understanding how exactly the Godhead works is not salvationary. Understanding the deity of Jesus Christ is salvationary. If you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifest in the flesh, you're not saved. But it, but see, trying to see how exactly the Godhead works, is it three persons, is it three modes, is it three whatever? Okay, that in and of itself is not salvationary. The deity of Jesus Christ is. Okay, that may have already triggered some people, but I don't care. Um, when you take a look at the Word of God, when Jesus says that the Father is greater than I, you also need to understand... Uh, the specific wording in much of the text throughout the gospel when Jesus is speaking and when the Spirit is speaking. You see, Jesus says, the words that I say are not mine own words, but are my Father's which sent me. That the works I do are not mine own works, but are, but are of his that sent me. Uh, so we see that the, uh, the, the I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. But then he goes and says, the Father is greater than I. What does he mean by that? Well, you see, 
to understand Jesus, you've got to understand Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Okay? Jesus is the Christ. What is the Christ? To understand what is the Christ, you have to go back into the Old Testament. You go to Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government should be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Isaiah 9, 6 says the child born son given is the everlasting father. Now, hold on. That's Bible. That's flat out Bible. Go look it up yourself. Isaiah 9, 6. So why does Jesus then say, well, the father is greater than I? Okay. Now you need to go over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Of understanding who Jesus is specifically in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. In Philippians chapter 2, if I could ever turn there, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, the form of God. And we see other scriptures. God manifested in the flesh. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form and took upon himself the form of a servant. Look, listen to the language. Took upon himself the form of a servant. Who did? The Christ spirit. Now, Christ being the, uh, the, the Messiah, being the promised one, the anointed one, the prophesied one of the spirit of God, of God himself will come down and he'll save his people from their sins. How? Well, he'll, he will, he will shed his blood and die. Spirits can't die. Spirits can't bleed. Spirits can't die. Spirits can't bleed. Well, hold on. Spirits can't, can't die. Spirits can't bleed. But he made us of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, God purchased the church with his own blood. Spirits can't die. Spirits can't bleed. Well, then how did it work? He fashioned a body for himself that could. God fashioned a body, found him fashioned as a man. He fashioned a body for himself, and he indwelt that body, the very body of God that God made for himself, God's own body that he made for himself for the purpose of the cross. Spirits can't die, spirits can't bleed. And no man hath seen God at any time and lived. God is spirit. Those that worship him is worship him in spirit and in truth. So how could we see God? Well, every time that God ever manifested himself to the world, he always had a covering. We see the burning bush. 
was a covering, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, the Shekinah glory cloud for the tabernacle and the temple. The body of Jesus is the veil covering of the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus said, said to his disciples, and they said, Master, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And he says, Philip, how long have I been with you, and you do not yet know me, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. So we see that the body of Jesus, the very flesh, blood, bone body of Jesus is the veil covering, like the pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, the uh, burning bush, the veil covering of the very spirit of Almighty God that was in him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one, but my Father is greater than I. Because the, the spirit of the Father is in him. Colossians 2, 9. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Uh, back up verse 8. Colossians 2, 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him, speaking of Jesus, in him, in Jesus, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So the language that Jesus is using when he says the Father is greater than I, he's referring to the body of what they are seeing. Because the disciples are talking to the man Jesus. Jesus is 100% man, 100% God, the God-man. And as what's in front of them is a flesh and blood body, but this is a body that God fashioned for the purpose of the cross. But the spirit of Almighty God is what is inhabiting the body and is speaking through the body and is working through the body. But the body was fashioned by God as the sacrificial lamb that's going to die, shed its blood, be buried, and rise again. The proof, uh, the demonstration, the manifestation, God manifested in the flesh. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is the Christ, the flesh and blood manifestation of the Christ spirit of God. That's who Jesus is. And that's what he means by that. Uh, does that make any sense? Please let me know if that makes any sense. All right. Um, Aaron says, who is your favorite prophet? Well, I personally have always really liked Elijah. I've really liked Elijah. Um, I identify a lot with Elijah, uh, just the personality-wise. Right, you do. Uh, I've done a lot of studies, a lot of reading on the person of Elijah and his attitude, his behavior, um, even even to his struggles, uh, his weaknesses and stuff. It's just. You really see him as a man and what he was like and how the Lord still used him and um, his boldness and is just not afraid to just to, to just tick off the pagans all that uh, I really uh, uh, I really love the story of Elijah uh, his attitude the way he went about things um, and just his his reverence of the Lord and how he, how he how he carried out the work I really like Elijah so there you go um 
Okay, Olga says, why did David wish evil for his enemies in some of his psalms? We should, we should forgive our enemies. True. You'll notice in a lot of the language um, throughout the psalms, and you do a study on the person of David, he uh, was a very fearful type. He was very afraid. He had a lot of enemies. He, uh, he was even called that uh, called a bloody man. As he was uh, he was uh, a man of war. Uh, yeah, a lot of blood on his head from um, all of the wars and the fights and the things that he did. Um, he and when you read through the Psalms, you see him crying unto the Lord for protection. That the Lord would protect him. That the Lord would fight for him. That those that are coming against him would be defeated. Those that, because those that are coming against David are the absolute God-hating, uh, uh, Israel-hating individuals. These heathens and pagans that, yes, uh, as we see, we should forgive. And that, that those that actually did come to David and did, and did believe on the Lord and, and would side with him, he would forgive them. And, and he was very quick to forgive. I see, David was a very uh, was a very humble man himself, a very broken-hearted. As it says in Scripture, that David had the heart of God. That David hated iniquity and loved righteousness. David had the heart of God, as it says in Scripture. So, where he absolutely waged war and hated those that that loved iniquity and loved darkness, and he would fight against them. But those that would turn, he would forgive. So we we see in the language, though, uh, much of that when him wishing wishing uh, destruction upon that those are the ones that would be coming against him in war, coming against him to destroy Israel, to destroy the temple, to destroy God, as David be crying unto the Lord for the Lord to fight against them. So. Um, a lot of the language there is also fearful because David was a very uh, was also a fearful man, and that's why we see so much language throughout the Psalms and his writings of crying unto the Lord for protection. Um, even when his son Absalom turned against him, he didn't want to fight Absalom. He cried and cried unto the Lord and begged the mercies of God, and as he didn't even want to fight against Absalom as a, as a broken man, his family turned against him, his friends have turned against him, Israel's turning against him, the enemies turning against him, he's all alone and he feels all encompassing, cries unto the Lord to fight for him and destroy those that would try to destroy him and what he stands for. Um, so you have to look at the man and look at the mental state. And you, you look at the psychology, the psyche in there, and you see, as he's no different than your eye. Now put yourself in his shoes with all of this that's going around. You'd be cry probably crying the same thing. Um, but we do see David quite often demonstrating forgiveness, demonstrating a gentle hand. So yeah, that's what I'd say on that. Okay. Uh, Aaron says, are we greater than the angels? Context. Um, as children of God? Yes. As specific created beings? No. Angels have more power than us. 
um, as a, they are of a higher created being. But we, as being uh, uh, born again, saved and adopted into the family of God, then made children of God uh, in position greater, but as a being, no. All right. Uh, Aaron says, why did it take three days for Jesus to be resurrected? Good question. Uh, it's been a while since I looked at that one. But if we take a look at Jonah, where the Lord says uh, there should be no sign given given them but the, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. Or Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale and, the, and three days in the depths. Um, Jonah actually did die. There are many people that believe that Jonah was alive in the belly of the whale. No, he actually died. And when you look at the language, he cried. he's crying out from Sheol. Um, Jonah died and he was dead for three days and the Lord brought him back to life. Um, as a, as a picture there, again, we see the Son of Man, the Son of God, three days in the belly of the earth. So we see a, a picture there as Jonah was the one sent to preach repentance and bring and turn the, the people of Nineveh from their sins as a picture of one who is sent and now he was dead for three days and brought back. God uses a lot of uh, a picture, a lot of images, uses a lot of correlations there across scriptures where people could see where, where this language to Israel, they know of the story of Jonah. They know what Jonah was all about and, and, and what that stood for. And Jesus to say how he is, is a, a picture of Jonah in that way. And then he does that. He, he dies and for three days he's dead and then he comes back to life. That correlates directly with Jonah, just like he said. So, again, the other, the other thing, too, is that the amount of work and the things that needed to be done here. Um, as Jesus, when he died, his spirit went down to Sheol, to paradise. This is he preached across the gulf to the spirits in prison. And again, uh, telling them why they were there and how they were condemned and what they had done. And, that, and then uh, during this time, we see uh, the finishing work of the atonement. Um, where uh, so that's why Jesus says to Mary on the third on the third day, uh, he says, uh, "Do not touch me, for I'm not a, I have not ascended up to my Father," um, because again, it's a picture of him as our High Priest, as to be uh, uh, spotless and clean for this for this process for this uh, thing that needed to be done, as Jesus actually ascended up and with his own blood anointed the mercy seat before the Father in heaven. And that's when he came back, and now he's allowing his disciples to handle him. But to Mary, he said, don't touch me yet. I'm not done yet. So you see, there's many things he had to do, and plus also the fulfillment of the uh, the correlation with the sign of the prophet Jonah, as uh, coming to bring uh, turn the people uh, from their sin, preaching repentance and preaching the kingdom. Uh, the sign of also showing power over death. There's a lot of things in there, um, as as for the amount of the amount of things had to be done and the days in the earth and all of that. So it's a great study. Okay, is Solomon in hell? No, actually, um, many people believe he he was because of things he did. Well, you take a look at uh, Solomon, how he was he was uh, a believer on the Lord. Just a moment. We got spammers coming into the comments. Okay, so uh, 
What was I talking about? Yeah, Solomon. Uh, Solomon, um, where at the beginning, as we see the introduction uh, to Solomon, uh, he, a believer on the Lord, uh, at, uh, like his father. And the Lord came to him and blessed him and uh, offered him a great blessing of wisdom and, and uh, power and all this because of his service and his belief and his faithfulness. And we see Solomon was a saved man. Now, can you lose your salvation? No. Uh, what about salvation in the Old Testament? Was it dependent upon works? No. There are so many Christians who believe that salvation in the Old Testament uh, came by law-keeping and keeping uh, commandments and works and stuff. No. You were saved by grace through faith by belief alone in the Old Testament as well. Um, salvation cannot be lost. Now, can Christians do stupid things? Yes. Can Christians make massive mistakes? Yes. So Solomon, we see, actually served the Lord and feared the Lord for a large portion there. And then it was later on he got seduced and tempted and he fell into sin and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. Yes, he did horrible, horrible, horrible things. But in his later years, we see Solomon actually writing the book of Ecclesiastes. And we see in Ecclesiastes, I, if I remember chapter 3... I think it's Ecclesiastes 3. It could be wrong. He talks about remembering the Lord in the days of your youth and, and, and his language about his, his bemoaning and, and his uh, uh, wallowing in the misery of remembrance of his great sin and how he was repentant. And we see uh, the language is showing his sorrow for his sin and his repentance there. So, so no, he, he, he did not go to hell. He was a saved man. He made great mistakes. But he, but he repented and turned turned to the Lord in his later years. Solomon saved and we'll see him in heaven. Uh, can we rule angels? No. Angels serve the Lord and the Lord only. They do the Lord's bidding, the Lord's bidding only. We do not command, control, or, or summon angels in any way, shape, or form. That's pagan, that's Catholic, that's occult, that is uh, not biblical, that is not of God. We have nothing to do with that. They serve the Lord, and they only do the Lord's bidding. The Lord sends them to, uh, to us to, to be a protection and a help and a comfort in many ways and different things as ministers of righteousness uh, to, to serve and to help us. But we do not control them. We do not command them. We do not summon them. We have nothing to do with that. Um, yeah, so. Um, no, we do not control angels in any way, shape, or form. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Amira says in second the second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7 what or who is holding lawlessness or Antichrist back and what or who is being taken out of the way second Thessalonians 2 um yeah so when we're talking about the end times talking about the stuff that's happening in Revelation I would recommend a great study on that would be um uh, our revelation series by pastor paul so please make sure you take advantage of that check that out watch that uh pastor paul my dad uh, a fantastic scholar theologian on revelation a specialist on revelation he spent many 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 years uh studying that and putting things together and, and he did a, he put together a uh, uh an entire walkthrough going verse by verse all the way through revelation showing and cross referencing across scripture showing you what it's all about 
fantastic study. Highly recommend it. Please make sure you watch that. Now, as you see in Thessalonians, uh, we want to start at verse 1. Um, and starting at verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto him. So it's talking about the end of days and the coming of Christ and the rapture, right? Okay, the rapture. That ye be not soon shaken in mind, nor be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us is that the day of Christ is at hand. All right. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the coming of Christ, the rapture, the gathering of the saints, the second coming of Christ and the rapture, will not come except it will not happen. This will not take place until there's a great falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed. We see the great falling away, the great apathy, the great apostasy that takes place. And the man of sin, the Antichrist, will be revealed. Now, how will he be revealed? How will he be revealed exactly, specifically, that this is the Antichrist and we know for sure this is who he is? Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, this is literally talking about the third temple will be built in Jerusalem. That somehow, uh, peace will be made in the Middle East so that the third temple can be built. It will. Uh, this will happen. The, it, this, this building will be constructed and this guy will sit in the temple claiming to be God. That is the revealing. That's what it says right there in verse 4. And this is how he reveals himself. And when you see that, that is now the finalization of all that is required before the Lord comes again. Then we see the sun is dark and the moon is turned to blood. The stars fall from heaven and the earthquakes and all these crazy things happen. And then the Lord appears and there's the gathering, and gathering together. Now, uh, when this occurs, this is what's called pre-wrath. We are taken up just before the wrath of God. As we see, just like in Noah in the flood, he was taken up just before the wrath of God is poured out. Lot and his family were removed before the wrath of God is poured out. We see it all the way through because we will not uh, be partakers of the wrath of God. We will be removed. Now, once we are removed, we see we see the... Uh, that the restrainer that's the hand of god is at, uh, where he's holding everything back will be let go and the wrath of god will come in like a flood and on the we see the wrath of the antichrist and all the oppressions and persecutions and all these horrible things will take place because the lord is restraining he's delaying he's holding it all back until these things take place and all the stuff that must that must occur is occurred and that's when uh, uh, he just kind of pulls the plug and it all just comes crashing down that's what that's talking about. Um, so we see these things must occur, and then then how the Lord is restraining it, it will be let go, and it will, then it will all come to place. Uh, hope that makes sense. Okay. Um, okay, Olga, about a question about Armageddon. Um, okay. Yes. Yes, believe it or not, um, the absolute height of delusion that the devil will bring upon the people. Um, 
in Luciferianism, in Satanism, in the Satanic Church, they actually teach that that in the final great battle, that the devil will actually win. The devil will actually defeat God in the Armageddon fight. They actually believe that. Um, and then when uh, uh, when uh, when the devil, the Antichrist, is in power, he'll be uh, deluding all the people in the Great Deception. And and then in the final great battle of Armageddon, when the Lord comes and he defeats the forces of the Antichrist, and uh, the Antichrist is bound up and all of that, and he's all defeated. Uh, in that in that battle, when the Lord comes in the air with his saints, and we see the Antichrist and his army down here, yes, yes. They're actually going to try to shoot God out of the sky with bullets and rockets. <laughs> yeah, but they actually believe. They actually believe. They're going to kill God with bullets. They're actually going to defeat him with bullets and rockets. <laughs> it's insane. They actually believe it. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Absolutely crazy. All right, so um, uh, Aaron says, I've read in the Bible that we can resurrect the dead. No, we can't. We can't. We have no power. We have absolutely no power whatsoever uh we have nothing to do with that now uh, you you i have no powers we're not gods we do not have magic powers we do not have supernatural abilities none of that whatsoever it's the power of god god heals the sick god raises the dead god opens the eyes of the blind god does it all now he will uh work through a servant like for example we see like moses for example moses had no powers or abilities he wasn't a magician or something like that he had no ability god uh, he was as the prophet of god god would tell moses what to say where to go what to do and when moses would fulfill the the decrees of the lord the lord would do a thing we see the same thing in Mark chapter 16, verse 20. And the disciples went everywhere, preaching the word. And the Lord worked with them. The Lord confirmed the words that they were saying. He proved, justified, validated the things that they were saying and doing by working signs and wonders to, to show justification of what the disciples were saying. We have no abilities whatsoever. It's all the Lord. But when you serve the Lord, you honor the Lord, you walk with the Lord, and you and you do the Lord's bidding, and you keep yourself close to the Lord in fellowship and, and prayer and devotion and service, uh, that the Lord will speak to you and, uh, and guide you in things, and that, uh, that when, uh, when something comes up that needs to be done, the Lord will instruct you and you and you will declare what the lord wants you wants you to do he will fulfill it i have personally seen healings miracles signs wonders all these things that 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 occur as the byproduct of obedience and walking with the lord i've seen other people do it and it's i've i've seen it in my, my own life uh, it's 
it's amazing. Uh, the Lord honors. The Lord honors those who honor him. Uh, the Lord works with. We see the hand of God upon the devoted service of the Lord. But we, we absolutely have no power. There's no such thing as personal powers. None of that. None whatsoever. That's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the devil. We have no powers in and of ourselves. And I can't stress that enough. Um, okay. Now, what is Armageddon, Aranas? Armageddon is the final and great battle. Sorry. Sorry. The second last final and great battle. Uh, this is... Uh, uh, we see the Antichrist rule. We see the, the wrath of God, all the crazy things that happen there. And then we see the Lord coming in the clouds and fights the devil, fights the Antichrist in the battle of Armageddon. He defeats the devil and the devil's forces. Now, Lucifer is bound up and cast in the bottomless pit for the thousand years. And that is during the millennial reign of Christ upon the earth. And at the end of the thousand years, Lucifer is let out and um, tries to fight against the Lord one more time. That's when the Lord defeats him in that final battle. And then we see the Lord destroys the earth in the great white throne judgment. And then we see that God creating a new heaven, a new earth, and, and all of that. So that's what Armageddon's all about. Okay, and Amira says, yes, absolutely. I will watch that about Revelation. I don't know how I missed that. Such a blessing for your dad to do that. Yeah, amen, amen. So yes, please make sure you check that out. It's a great study. Walks you through Revelation, breaking it all down. Make sure you have a notepad. <laughs> Guys, uh, you you think that I give a, lo a lot of points and things and stuff to write down? You, you have no idea. I mean, stuff that he'll be giving you, he'll be giving you a lot of homework. So, so yeah. So make sure you have a note, notepad and pen and uh, you're ready to take down lots of notes. Okay. Okay. And Amir, yes, it does. Uh, that does answer the question. Okay. Uh, Aaron says, what about the angels? What about them? Sorry. What about them? What do you, what do you mean? Um, it's a, but on a side note of regarding angels, it's really interesting doing a study on angelology according to the word of god um uh, seeing who the angels are and the different types of angels that the bible talks about um the different type uh, types of positions uh, po uh, uh powers and things that different angels have um yeah they uh, they're quite incredible um but again they are all servants of god they are all servants of God. And that the powers and the things that they may seem to have is not their own so much as it is the Lord working through them purely. Um, as these, as the angels are holy. Angels are sinless. Angels are holy. And that they, they are just uh, like the speakers. You know, like how, for example, John the Baptist as the was the declarer, the proclaimer of Christ, of the Lamb of God. The angels are the proclaimers, the town criers. They, they are those that carry the messages. Now, in the angel, in the angels, uh, you have the uh, the messenger angels, uh, or these are the ones that carry the messages to and fro uh, around. And Gabriel is the head messenger. Gabriel is not an archangel. He is the head messenger. 
And then you see the uh, the army, the warrior angels, those that fight, those that are in the chariots of fire that wage war and fight the, the hosts of heaven, the army of heaven. Michael is the head of the army of heaven. He's the archangel. There's only one. There's only one archangel. Then you have the, the seraphims. These are the ones with the wings and the different faces that go around the throne singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, uh, the, uh, the, those are the singers. That's their job is to sing the praises of God. Then you see the ophanim, which is the Hebrew name for the wheels full of eyes, the wheels upon wheels that turn in and on themselves full of eyes that follow the seraphims. Uh, those are called the ophanim. Uh, their job is just to follow the seraphims and then you see the cherubims uh, these are the guardians of god's holiness these these ones are special ones that stand close to the throne they have the swords of fire they stand guard round about the throne it's not that god needs bodyguards it's just that they are there because god wanted them to be there uh, they are the guardians of god's holiness they don't allow anything close to the lord then you see the uh, proclaimer angel uh, angels these ones are the size of mountains i love these ones these ones are the size of mountains and one foot's in the sea one foot's on the dry land and they bellow out the proclamations of god that's just awesome i love that uh, i want to talk to one of those and i get there that'd just be awesome the size of a mountain and they proclaim the the, the proclamations of god it's just it's amazing um they boast of God is what they do. They boast about the Lord and they and they they proclaim the power and the greatness of God. I just I love that. That's just awesome. Um, and so yeah, so the, there are different classes and some and certain angels are more powerful than others. Uh, but again, they all have their purpose. But again, angels themselves, as beings. The power that they seem to have is the power of God. All power is of God. All power is of God. No other being in and of themselves. Uh, so we see, uh, especially when it comes to life and death. When it comes to life and death, God alone has power of life and death. So... We want to make sure we understand when it comes to the powers of God that it's all of God. It's all of God that God works. It all goes back to him that gives him the praise. What is demonic, what is satanic, uh, is to claim power for yourself. Um, so, yeah. I, it, it, it's a bit of a hard one to understand in s certain cases, but... Uh, uh, it's because it's a great delusion, a great deception that has been brought into the world uh, is the very idea that I, in and of myself, in some form or fashion, have abilities and powers of my own. That is demonic, that is a lie, that is a deception of the enemy, and it is not true. Okay. Uh, what do you think we're going to, going to, to do in... What do you think we're going to do in heaven? Okay, so heaven is itself, we're not going to be in heaven forever. Um, that's a, It's just kind of a, a quick statement when you're talking about heaven and hell. And, you know, if you don't believe in Jesus, you'll go to hell forever. And when you believe in the Lord, you go to heaven forever. Well, it's just, it's, it's just a quick uh, ism just to get across an evangelism and talking and teaching to help people to understand, you know, the, the blessing and the curse. However, heaven and hell are not eternal. 
because we see in the end of days that uh, for right now, if I were to die right now, I'd be in the presence of God in heaven, but I wouldn't be in heaven forever. And, it, and if someone who is unsaved were to die right now, they'd be in hell, but they're not going to be in hell forever. At the great white throne judgment, at the end of everything, when it's all done, after the Antichrist, the, the tribulation period, after the millennium, and after the final battle, all this, God destroys the earth with fire. He brings everything up before the throne at the great white throne judgment. Hell is brought up. Heaven is brought over. Every, all angels, all devils, all people of everything, everywhere is brought up before the Lord right there, right before the throne. The books are opened. And whoever's name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life is cast in the lake of fire. Death, hell, the Antichrist... Uh, all the unsaved are cast in the lake of fire. The door is closed. Done. Then he turns to us, and then we give an account for our service of the Lord. And when that is all done, makes sense. Um, okay. Okay. Um, but uh, okay. But meanwhile, I somehow got distracted and rabbit trail from your question. What do you, What are we going to be doing in heaven? Meanwhile, while we're in heaven. Uh, worshiping the Lord. Uh, we'll be there we'll, uh, worshiping the Lord. We'll be uh, uh, this, this speaking with the Lord. We'll also be fellowshipping with the saints. Um, as Paul says, and one of the points when the Apostle Paul is actually killed, it says he met a man in heaven above, whether in the body or the body, I cannot tell, showing the reality of it, how real and tangible it is. Um, uh, we will be fellowshipping with the saints. Well, like, for example, uh, you, you, if you're born again, saved and you die and you go, go up to be with the Lord, you'll be able to have, have a conversation with Moses. You can go over there and say, Hey, Elijah, how's it going? And you go over and go talk to Elijah. You can go talk to Charles Spurgeon. You can go over here and talk to DL Moody. You can go over here and talk to Noah. Hey, you go talk to Daniel, ask him what it was like to sleep with the lions in the lion's den. And you go talk, talk to them. You fellowship with the saints and the joy of the saints and the joy of the spirit and the presence of God. And you go, you can walk right up to the temple of God. There he is right there. You can see the cherubims with their swords of fire standing around the throne. And you can walk right up in front of him and, and go talk with your father. Go talk with God. That's what we'll be able to do in heaven. All right. Now, at the beginning of this broadcast, I said that I had come across something rather shocking, surprising, amazing, and I wanted to share it with you folks. I've delayed long enough. Um, this is just mind-blowing. Um, I, I just never heard of this before uh just the, the the mercy and the grace of god now i've talked before about <clears throat> addressing the question what about those who have never heard what about those who have never heard and how that question in and of itself is a fallacy because that is assuming that you know that they haven't heard and that is also contradicting the word of god because the word of God states very clearly, categorically, that his word has gotten into all the earth. All have heard. And we pair that with uh, 
First Peter three nine. Is it First Peter three nine? Uh, it's that God is not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that any should perish. Now, the the Calvinists. Okay, you're gonna have to plug your ears just for a moment. So Calvinists, plug your ears. But you see, in the Bible, where it says God is not willing that any should perish, that means right there that He's not willing that and he should perish, meaning that he'll make a way for all to have an opportunity to be saved. Not, not, not that he that all will be saved, but that he will get, give and offer the opportunity to all, so that anyone standing before the Lord, nobody's going to be able to say, "I was never told. I never got an opportunity." He will make a way. He will make a way. And we see uh, down through time, we see many testimonies, many instances instances where missionaries, evangelists, uh, somehow the gospel has gotten to people. And even testimonies of people where, uh, where they, they were actually visited by an angel in a vision uh, telling them that, that, to, that they need to repent of their current beliefs and they need to believe on the lord and instructions of where to go to find it i actually have a testimony saved by a witch doctor a a jungle witch doctor who actually had a vision of the lord speaking to him telling him to go to another village a couple of days journey away and he went over to that village and met missionaries over there and got saved and how the lord works this and we see in the middle east people having visions of angels coming to them and telling them they need to repent of their sins and believe the gospel they need to repent of their uh, recant of their islam or hinduistic beliefs tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of people are having this experience and you go and i've gone and investigated it i've actually personally spoken with a few people who have actually had that very experience uh where they uh they actually saw an angel telling them that i actually know personally two people that that have, that has happened to uh, so the Lord works it out in some way, some form, where you don't see how it's physically possible, he'll do the supernatural. Now, how many of you have heard of this guy? This guy is Siddhartha Gautama Buddha. This Buddha guy, Buddha dude, um, let's pulling it up on my phone so I can actually read it properly. Siddhartha Gautama Buddha, this guy, he lived... Uh, 483 years before Jesus. He, this guy lived 483 BC, BC. So over almost 2,500 years ago, but this guy was alive almost 2,500 years ago. This guy, now someone has gone and found, uh, actual scrolls of this guy's teaching dating back to when this guy was alive. These scrolls are Buddhist scrolls in Thailand. This guy was a Thai Buddhist. He was a Buddha in Thailand in 483 BC. Okay, wrap your mind around that. And this guy has some rather interesting things in his writings. Uh, that this guy actually believed and taught. This guy actually somehow knew about the prophecies of the Christ Messiah. Listen to this. These are three excerpts from the scrolls of this Buddha's teachings. 
He says, so if we read this, near his death in 483 BC, Buddha, the enlightened one, told his followers, regardless of how many laws you have kept, or even if you pray five times a day, you cannot be free from your sin. Even though you burn yourself, even though I become a hermit or am reborn another ten times, I shall not be saved. That's from the manuscript Praising Temple, Chiang Mai, Thailand. This Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama Buddha, taught that he was not a god, but only a man, a truth seeker. But on his deathbed, this Buddha taught that there would be a future messiah, Lord of mercies, he called him, who would be able to free men from their sins. This Buddha said he, that this Lord of mercies is the Lord of mercies. His name shall be called the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is all-knowing, all-wise. He knows all that is in the human heart. He is Lord of all the angels and of all humans. No one is greater than he. Sutra Pridat, chapter 3, verses 107 of that Buddha scroll. This Buddha continued to teach of the Lord of Mercies, that his side has a wound where he was pierced and his forehead has many scars. He will carry you to heaven where you will find the true God. Thus give up following the old way. A spirit from heaven will come down and dwell in your heart. Manuscript, Praising Temple, Chiang Mai, Thailand. This Buddha in 483 BC, before Jesus, before Christ, Somehow, in Thailand, came across, if you listen to the language of, of the verses from the passages of that Buddha scroll, he's quoting Isaiah 53 and Psalms 22. Somehow, the word of God has gotten to Thailand in 483 B.C. And this Buddha got saved. Now, did you, did you hear this? Look, look what he says here. I'll try to make this bigger so you can see it. Look what he says here. Uh, thus, give uh, in the, at the bottom here it says, "Thus give up following the old way." Thus, give up following the old way. He's telling his people to stop being Buddhists and to believe on this Messiah, this future Messiah, who is pierced in his side. His forehead is covered in many scars. He is the power of life and death. He's called the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He's the all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful, all-seeing that when you, if you repent of your old ways and believe in this Lord, a spirit from heaven will come in and dwell you. He's literally quoting the gospel. <laughs> He's literally quoting the gospel. In 483 BC, he's quoting Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. He's quoting Isaiah. He's, he's talking about the God of Israel. He's talking about the truth of the word of God. Siddhartha Gautama Buddha got saved. 
and is recanting Buddhism. He says, don't stop. He says, stop believing in the old way. Stop believing in the old way and believe in this one, he's saying. <laughs> that's just amazing. I, I just, that's just amazing. 483 years before Jesus. So that would put him 80 years before the prophet Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, you know, the last book of the Old Testament, because from Malachi, from the prophecies of Malachi, it was 400 years of silence from God upon Israel until 400 years later, John the Baptist. So 400 years, you go back to Malachi, 483, that's 80 years before Malachi. Just so you have an idea of when this guy was alive. He was 80 years before the prophet Malachi. Four, uh, four, uh, 480 years before John the Baptist. And this guy is in Thailand, who was a an enlightened Buddha. He was an enlightened Buddha. Somehow came across, either a prophet from Israel got to him, or he got to Israel, or somehow scrolls of scripture went along the silk road on the silk highway got over to the to to asia and somehow got down to him and he came across scrolls of scripture that convinced him of the truth he repented of his old ways and believed on the lord of scripture and got saved and started quoting the scriptures of the christ messiah to come and now here he is writing scrolls and text and teaching his followers the people who are looking up to him as a buddha he's telling them don't believe in me don't believe in anyone else believe on the lord and he's telling his followers the truth of god revelation chapter 7 Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, who sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. So what that says right there, of all nations, all kindreds, all people, all tongues, a remnant, a remnant will be saved. That the word of God has gotten into all the world, all have heard, all are given a chance, all are given an opportunity, even when you don't see how it's possible. God somehow makes a way. Because he's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should perish. Now, oh, wrong button. There we go. Now, there's another story. I, I forget exactly. I was just told it to, and I can't remember who it was again. Um, so I'll tip my tongue. I can't remember who exactly. There was a missionary who went over to China. And this woman, I can't remember her name. This Christian uh, missionary went over to China uh, back in the early 1900s, I think it was. And uh, she's uh, 
uh, walking along uh, she's heading out to this one area and the Lord just keeps putting on on her heart just to keep going a bit further go a bit further keep going a bit further so she keeps going keeps going keeps going keeps walking keeps walking and, and hours and hours and hours and hours up in the mountains of Tibet now she's up in the mountains of Tibet he keeps going and she comes across there's a couple Tibetan monks standing on a hill and they see her coming they rush down these Tibetan monks rush down and say, you finally came. We were told many years ago that, that, that someone would come who would tell us about the true God. Huh? That apparently, many years prior, these monks had a vision, had a vision, of someone coming and telling them about the true God. They they remembered that vision and they believed it and they saw and they waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and all of a sudden here comes the missionary. This missionary woman comes up and they, these Tibetan monks took the Christian missionary. They rushed her up to their monastery where women are not allowed in Tibetan Buddhist monasteries. But they but they dragged her into the Tibetan monastery and begged her to tell them about the true God. And they all got saved. <laughs> in India, there is, uh, I actually have the video, um, uh, it's on YouTube. There's a video of this uh, Hindu guru. Uh, he's one of the uh, special high ones where they believe that these gurus basically become a deity. And uh, they actually make a temple for uh, where these gurus to sit in and they're worshipped like a god. Um, and the, this guy, he was one of those God gurus and, uh, he's sitting in his temple and he has tons and tons and tons of followers and he's sitting in his temple meditating and, and he's, and he starts thinking to himself that there's, there's gotta be more gods. There's gotta be more gods that they're just not aware of. So he starts meditating and praying to the unknown God that the unknown gods would reveal themselves to him so he starts praying and meditating on this then all of a sudden one day he has a vision and in his vision he's walking through the town market in india he's walking through the town marketplace and then he rounds a corner and he sees a a a white man with a blue baseball cap and a scruffy black beard and he, he uh he he keeps seeing this vision over and over and over and over again for weeks he keeps seeing this vision and then one day he and his troop his entourage are walking through the village he's walking through the market and as he's walking through the market with his entourage he rounds a corner and in front of him just a few yards away is a white man wearing a blue baseball cap with a scruffy black beard looking exactly like the guy in his vision this guru that you're not supposed to touch these gurus. If you touch these gurus, you're put to death because they're considered gods. This guru rushes up, grabs this guy, and then says, I keep seeing you in a vision. Who are you? And the guy says, well, I'm a missionary of Jesus Christ. The guru takes this missionary to his own temple. And the missionary proceeds to lead the guru 
to salvation. The guru gets born again, saved, and turns his, his own temple into a church where he preaches Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's just awesome. It's just amazing how the Lord works. It's just absolutely incredible how the Lord works. The mercies of God. He's not willing that any should perish. That he'll make a way. He makes a way. When you don't see how it's physically possible, that's when he does the supernatural. He's not willing that any should perish. He calls all men everywhere to repentance. And he does. Even when you don't see how. Even where missionaries and evangelists can't get there because of circumstances or whatever, the Lord will even send his angels to tell the people and the people will come to you. He makes a way because he's not willing that any should perish. That's the mercies of our God. That's the mercies of our God. And it doesn't matter when or where or what time. 483 BC in a Buddha in Thailand a Buddha in Thailand comes to the saving knowledge of God isn't that amazing how the Lord does that we're gonna see that Buddha in heaven we're gonna see that guru in heaven we're going to be seeing so many other people in heaven that we never thought we'd ever see. Because the mercies of God are greater than our imagination. Or we think, well, what about those who've never heard? Well, I don't see how it's possible. You know, that look at the un that the uncontacted tribes and whatever. We're going to see that that guy who was the witch doctor in of that uncontacted tribe in the jungles who had who the Lord spoke to him and told him to go to this other village where there's missionaries. We're going to see that guy who's now the ex witch doctor. We're going to see him in heaven. For those to for those to say it's not possible. For the people to say it's not possible, this isn't true, that doesn't have, those people have no faith, they have no understanding, and they are close-minded, and they are contradicting the word of God. So there you go. There you go. What do you think of that? What's your thoughts? What do you think? What do you think of this guy? What do you think of this guy? Siddhartha Gautama Buddha. 483 BC. This is recorded. Dating back to his time. These are his writings of his scrolls uh, of him. This is his stuff. Talking about the Christ Messiah, the God of Israel, to a T, talking about, I, quoting Isaiah 53, Psalms 22, quoting the scriptures. What do you think of this? How could we possibly say it's not possible? How could you say it's not possible? I'm kind of left speechless. I'm kind of left speechless. To, to, to me, it's just mind-blowing. It just, not, not that, you know, it's like, I, I, oh, I can't believe it. No, it's mind-blowing how he does it how god works it out how he keeps his promises keeps his word like this it's just i i i've never heard of such a thing 
as someone like that at, way over in Thailand in 483 BC. A Buddha out there getting saved and, and preaching the truth of God. It's just mind-blowing to me how the Lord worked that out, how the Lord did that. Now, how, how could it happen? How could it possibly happen? Because we see, for example, actually, believe it or not, if you do studies on um, other people groups around the world down through time, um, because it, it, the scriptures say that the truth of God has gotten into all the world. Okay, well, what about the people over in uh, North and South America? Because you see Israel with the prophets during the Old Testament time. How did the truth of God get over to, to North and South America? Well, how did it get to Thailand? <laughs> okay, so it's interesting because we see there are that there, there were many different people groups in North and South America during the time of Israel in the Old Testament. The prophets of God were the Old Testament missionaries. They were the Old Testament evangelists and street preachers. And they would go to different nations and people around. We see Jonah going to Nineveh, a Gentile nation. We see, we see uh, even during the captivity, we see prophets in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar gets saved, the emperor of Babylon. Now, what about North and South America? North and South America. Well, it's interesting because uh, a number of years ago, uh, they, were, they were doing some digs, some archaeological digs in Egypt. And they came across a tomb, a, a tomb of a pharaoh. And this pharaoh actually had uh, traces of cocoa in his tomb. And actually, traces of cocoa in his sarcophagus. Now, this now cocoa only comes from South America. Only comes from South America. How did cocoa get to Egypt? And it was around that same time they actually uncovered uh, from Egypt that they've actually discovered that there were they, that Egypt actually had trade routes and tra and tr and shipping trade to South America. They were actually connecting via shipping trade routes South America to Egypt. So and we they actually found in South America in discoveries in South America of archaeological digs they found Egyptian Egyptian remains of uh, buildings, structures, skeletons, things in South America from Egypt that Egypt had actually gone over. That's why you f you're finding pyramids in South America. Because they actually started calling and people actually coming over and establishing the trade and material and technology with the people of South America. So it's possible. It's plausible that if that prophets or whatever could have gotten over to south america via shipping trade route it's plausible the other is as we do see in the word of god a supernatural working where you in the time of elijah 
you actually see where Elijah, where he has go gone away after he called down the famine and the and the drought upon Israel during the, the, the three years there. And the Lord told him to go again and meet Ahab and tell him to meet you at Carmel. We see Elijah coming back and he's met by the, the, the servant Obadiah, who was servant of Ahab. Elijah tells Obadiah, go and tell your master Ahab that I'm here and I want him to speak with him. Obadiah says, why are you doing this to me? For everyone knows that I, I go and tell him and we're on our way to coming to meet you that the spirit of the Lord will pick you up and put you down who knows where. Teleportation by the hand of God. We, we also see two other times, three times full in scripture, but two other times uh, in the gospels, we see Jesus walking on the water and they're in the middle of the sea. Jesus steps in the boat where all of his disciples are in the boat in the middle of the sea. Jesus steps in the boat and they're immediately at dry land. A third time, we see Philip the evangelist with the Ethiopian eunuch. That uh, We're teaching him about Isaiah 53, teaching him about Jesus Christ. And the eunuch says, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip says, if thou believest that thou mayest. So they both go down into the water. Philip baptizes the eunuch as they're coming up out of the water the spirit of the lord caught away philip and placed him down in the city of azotus so three times we see in the bible transportation teleportation by the spirit of god it is plausible according to the word of god that god could actually take one of his prophets and move them anywhere else in the world so we see it we see in history we see actual established shipping trade routes where it's possible that prophets or scrolls of scripture could get across to actually speak to people and we also see in scripture uh, the possibility of actual supernatural movement by the spirit of god so where you don't see how it's physically possible god can do the supernatural There you go. So the, so the entire question of what about those who have never heard does not exist. That question is a fallacy. That question denies and contradicts the word of God. Those that have never heard do not exist. I staunchly dogmatically believe that. So there you go. There you go. Um, have fun with that. <laughs> okay, so let's go down through the questions here. Um, okay, did I miss anything? Amira says, <laughs> uh, uh, loves homework, loves notes. Yeah, there you go. You're going to have a lot with that series of Revelation. Okay, Amira says, I'm in happy tears. This is absolutely incredible. God is so amazing. Praise be to the only God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Amen. Amen. The Lord is wonderful. The Lord is amazing how he does this. It's incredible how the Lord works in such miraculous ways. Um, his mercies are everlasting. His grace is unending. And, and God works in ways that just blow our minds how, how, he, how he does this. He, he, uh, how if you can't get to the people, he'll speak to the people and bring the people to you. It just 
the way he does this and when there's no way you could get there or any other way that even he'll even send his angels to them because he's so merciful he's so loving he's so faithful that he's not willing that any should perish and even those that are in they're in such dire straits in certain circumstances where you you just can't even get the bible to them he'll send his angels to them to tell them how good is our god how good is our god he's not willing that any should perish He's not willing that any should perish. It's just amazing. And it doesn't matter who they are. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, the God Emperor of Babylon. Yes, he's called the God Emperor because he actually believed he was a God. He was so powerful, so insanely powerful. Um, that his reach was incredible. They made statues and idols of him. They worshipped him. They prayed to him. He's called the God Emperor of Babylon. Got saved. Nebuchadnezzar got saved. Uh, you, you know the story when he was up on the rooftop and he says and he says look at the look at all the things that I have built that I have done and the Lord struck him down uh, with the, the insanity where he the, he thought he was an animal and he went off into the field for seven years and all this stuff and he they lived like a wild animal and then at the end of the seven years he lifted up his eyes and unto the Lord and he worshiped the Lord he repented of his sins Daniel chapter four. Daniel chapter 4 was written by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar. And then he goes on to, to praise the Lord. Daniel chapter 4 was written by Nebuchadnezzar, the emperor, Gentile emperor of Babylon. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter where you are. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is great. The Lord is worthy to be praised. So, there you go. Some things for you. So, uh, yeah. Um, I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed at the lengths that God will go through to bring a person to salvation. In the, in the far, 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 far corners, dark corners of the world, in 483 BC, almost 2,500 years ago, the four, 483 BC, we see a Buddha in some Buddhist monastery temple thing in Thailand during the dark ages of Thailand, somehow heard the truth of the word of God repented of his sins, recanted Buddhism, believed on the Lord, got saved, and started teaching the truth of God. I, I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed. There you go. Um, so yeah, so I guess uh, if there's nothing else, I guess we'll wrap that up. We've been going for an hour 55. There we go, almost two hours. Any other comments, questions, issues, insights, anything else at all, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. Is there anything that you would like to uh, talk about? Anything you'd like to hear, discuss, debate, whatever? Go ahead, ask away. I got a bit of time left so we can uh, hash something out. And uh, yeah, and don't forget, don't forget. Oh, yeah, uh, there's that one. The four stupidest things. And there's this <laughs> happy whatever doesn't offend you happy whatever doesn't offend you holiday
So again, folks, if you can find this, if you can find this ornament, happy whatever doesn't offend you, please send it to me. I will pay for the product. I'll pay for the shipping. I want this thing. Now just watch what happens. I'm going to get inundated by like a hundred people sending this. I'm going to have a hundred of these. I'll hang them up all around the place. I'll do that. I am around town. <laughs> um, yeah, well, also uh, an idea, uh, something else. Uh, uh, one thing I like to do, I started last year, actually. Um, I, I like to carve walking sticks. I'll go out and I'll, I'll uh, get a bunch of really nice, fa fancy shaped walking sticks uh, out of the bush. I bring them home and I'll, I'll clean them up. I'll carve them up. And, and uh, what I do is that once they're all done, I'll take these walking sticks that I've carved up and I'll take a zippy bag and I'll put a, a gospel tract in the zippy bag. And I'll put a piece of paper that says this walking stick is free for whoever wants it. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll seal up the bag and I'll take an elastic and fasten it to the stick. And I'll leave these walking stick tracks around town little something just to give back just cheer people up this is something really neat and interesting and uh, also a way of witnessing because with the stick comes a gospel track so think of ways how you can reach out how you could get the gospel out there um you can leave tracks around you can leave you, if you if you have certain skills and things like to do you could do little drawings or doodads or whatever it is and just leave gospel tracks with it around just to cheer someone up and give them something to read uh ways to to give back so there you go. Just think of something. Think outside the box. Get a sidewalk chalk. Start writing Bible verses on the sidewalk. Uh, leave tracks around. How can you witness? How can you leave a witness of, of the Lord? So, use your imagination. Think of something. Uh, what I like to do, um, I'm a brat. And so I, I, I have no problem with uh, upsetting and triggering people, as you rightly know. Um, what I like to do when I'm in a certain area where there's uh, other churches, um, non-gospel churches, like uh, Catholic churches, Anglican churches, United churches, those kinds of things, uh, I like to take a gospel track, and when no one's around, I'll go up to the front doors, and I'll take a gospel track and fit it in the door. So when they come to church and they open up the door, there's the gospel, they get the gospel. So that's what I like to do. You can leave tracks anywhere, everywhere. So give us some thought. Olga says, on the 12th, it was my one-year anniversary of getting saved here in CCT. Hey, praise the Lord. Yeah, I remember that day. I remember that day. That that was, uh, that was fantastic. Yeah, praise the Lord. Hey, you got your birthday, your spiritual birthday. So write it down in your Bible, your spiritual birthday. Uh, yeah, it's uh, actually mine. I have it in here. I, I struggle trying to remember dates of things. Oh, it's in my other Bible. I have the actual date, I think. No, I have it here. August. August 18th. It was a Thursday, 2016. I, I got saved uh, Thursday, the 18th, August, 2016. That praise the Lord, He is good. His His mercies are everlasting. His grace is unending. Yep, praise the Lord. So, happy birthday, Olga. Happy birthday. So, um, so yeah. So, if there's nothing else, I guess we'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for joining in. It's been a great time. Um, yeah. So, 
amazing stuff uh, that we're, we're looking at today. Um, God can save Buddhas. <laughs> God can save Buddhas. God can save Gurus. God can save the God Emperors of Babylon. It's just, it's incredible. Oh, there's one other. I just remembered. I remember reading uh, somewhere in the Bible. I, I forget where exactly it's located, but I remember reading, um, I remember reading, thought it was in Chronicles, Kings or Chronicles, somewhere in there. It was years ago I came across it. Uh, there is this one Pharaoh of Egypt. I think it was Pharaoh Nebo, Pharaoh Nebo of Egypt was actually a believer in Jehovah God. There's actually a Pharaoh of Egypt that believed on the Lord who was saved. We're going to be, we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to be seeing Pharaoh Nebo. We're going to be seeing this Buddha. We're going to be seeing that guru. We're going to be seeing all kinds of people in heaven showing the mercy and the grace of God. Because it's by grace. By grace are you saved through faith. And not of works. Not by law. Not, not, it, whether Old Testament or New Testament. We're saved by grace through faith. Not of works. Not of law keeping. We're saved by grace through faith by belief alone. Repent and believe the gospel. You repent and believe in the truth of the Lord. And you're saved. And, you're, and as, as this, this Buddha guy said. Just as he said, he's right. He says, uh, give up following the old way. Repent. And a spirit from heaven will come and dwell in your heart. <laughs> oh, man. It just it makes me laugh. It's just it's so awesome. So there you go. Something to cheer you up. Something to think about. How great is our God. So with that, we'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless you, folks. And make sure to give this video a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so you only put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We got tons and tons of content. As well as I'd like to invite you again, uh, please check out the community post uh, regarding these shirts. Come and take it. The Car Carpe Fide, uh, Seize Faith. Um, again, it's a fundraiser to help support the Canadian preachers uh, uh, that are being opposed and oppressed by the government of Canada as they're trying to arrest, fine, and shut down the uh, churches here in Canada. And again, I'm just reading off my post here. It's a fundraiser for the persecuted. Shirts promoting on the front, come and take it with a pastor's pulpit. The pastor's pulpit. Uh, above the words, uh, come and take it. 10% of each sale will go to the needs of the Albertan pastor, James Coates of Grace Life Church, who is facing jail and penalties for holding the line while standing in his pulpit. Please consider supporting this Canadian church and its pastor who are under heavy persecution and religious discrimination, being levied exorbitant fines for preaching the word of God. Um, he's received hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of fines. Uh, they've tried to shut down his church. They've... Uh, They've even put uh, chain, uh, uh, chain fencing around the church to keep people away from the building, chaining the doors and refusing to let people in there. They've arrested deacons. They've arrested the churchgoers. They've arrested the pastor multiple times. And they're doing other stuff like this. So um, these shirts are, help support the, the Christians there to pay off the fines and to help them to keep going. So give it some thought. 
if you can't participate, can't buy one, then at least make sure to pray for the churches here in Canada because we're under heavy persecution and oppression um, by our communist socialist government. So we appreciate your prayers and your support. So uh, with that as well, please make sure to check out the other uh, playlists and stuff we have on our YouTube channel and check out our website. We got tons of other goodies and uh, links to other platforms and downloadable PDFs and gospel tracks, tons of stuff there. And with that, God bless you, folks. God bless you so much. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.